Welcome back to the EDM Podcast. This is episode 97. My name is Sam Matler, and if you're new to the show, uh, this is a talk show, a podcast where I interview successful producers, artists, industry experts, managers, and the like. This interview is a special one because it is the third time a guest has come on the show. So we've had a few people on twice, but this time the guest is coming on for for a third interview, a third round, and his name is Serik, better known as Hyperbits. He came on for episode 15 and episode 27. These were two years ago, um, just a bit over two years ago, I think. So really special to have him on again. Uh, Make sure you listen to those interviews first before this one, especially if you don't know who this guy is, because that'll help give you context for this episode. So episode 15 and 27, Sirik talks about how he went from working a corporate job, um, getting laid off and then becoming a full-time producer and now full-time education business owner. So he runs an online production school. Uh, he has a very popular masterclass called the Hyperbits Masterclass. It's very highly regarded in the industry. Uh, but we don't talk so much about his story in this interview because we have already done that twice. In this interview, we talk about a few other things. So we talk about the parallels between music production or being an artist and an entrepreneurship. Um, we talk about whether it's possible for everyone to have a career in music and what that looks like and some of the things you have to put in place. We talk about how to best carve your learning path as a new producer. Uh, so if you're starting from scratch, what should you do? And I also ask Eric what he would do with me if he was to take me from a somewhat intermediate producer and make me even better. What he'd do in 30 days if I paid him money to do that. We then talk about what people should look for in an online school. I know a lot of you guys ask questions. Um, should I go to Icon Collective? Should I take this course? Should I do X or Y? We talk about a few things that you should be aware of when paying for education or looking for good education. Uh, and, and that's about it. But we go off on a lot of tangents in this interview, uh, maybe a bit too many. So despite that, I hope you enjoy it. Hope you get something out of it. And if you do, make sure to hit up uh, Hyperbits or me and just let us know. And also, it would be great if you left a rating and review on iTunes. Uh, you can do that by heading over to edmprod.com forward slash iTunes. That is edmprod.com forward slash iTunes. Without further ado, here is Hyperbits for the third time on the podcast. Enjoy. Do you know what's really annoying? Spending $30 on a sample pack and only finding 10 to 15 usable samples in it. I've spent hundreds, if not thousands of dollars on sample packs over the years, and I've run into this problem again and again. Sometimes you get a good sample pack, and other times you download one or buy one, and there's only a few sounds you actually like and you'll actually use. Splice Sounds solves this problem. You pay a small fee each month, it starts at just $8, price of a few coffees, and in return you get a bunch of credits. You can use these credits to download samples, loops, presets from popular artists and sample pack labels. Now Splice Sounds has an extremely helpful library 
so you can find the sound you want really quickly. And the best thing about this, about Spice Sounds, is that you only need to download the samples you want. Uh, you can preview the sounds, favorite them, or just download them straight away and have them show up in your door automatically. Unlike downloading a sample pack uh, where you have to get everything, even if you don't want to use it. Now, as an EDM product listener, you can get your first month for free. Just head over to splice.com forward slash EDM prod and use the promo code EDM prod when you sign up. Again, that is splice.com forward slash EDM prod and promo code EDM prod. You can find this website address and promo code in the show notes as well in case you forget it. Welcome back to the EDM podcast today. I'm joined for the third time on the podcast uh, by Hyperbits or Serik. How's it going, man? It's going great, man. Uh, I'm happy to be back. It's been uh, it's been a while, right? How long has it been since? It's been at last? least two years. Two years, shit. Which which is crazy to me because the like it doesn't feel like I've been doing the podcast for that long. Yeah, it. I mean, it doesn't feel like it's been two years for me, but I guess. Time goes faster the older you get, is I, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, now, the last two episodes that you have done, if if you're listening to this, uh, go and listen to those before you listen to this one because they are two of the most popular episodes on the podcast. And I'm not quite sure why. Maybe people will like your <laughs> voice. Um, but... In those episodes, you kind of talked about how you were doing music full time or how you got to that point. Super valuable stuff. But it has been two years since you last came on. So give us a quick like rundown of what's happened since then. Yeah, sure. So, so yeah, I mean, the fact that it has been, by the way, like two years is still insane to me. Um, I feel like it's worth noting, though, that literally every few days or every like maybe like once a week like someone still message messages me just saying like oh man i really like related to like the podcast episode on edm prod like i'm i just think it's like kind of insane how you know like we're literally just having a conversation and then how many people can actually resonate i guess with that uh Mm. literally every week someone's still and it's been two years and it's still happening but um but yeah, man. So past few years, what has been happening? So I moved from Brooklyn to San Diego, um, which for anyone who has visited San Diego or spent time here, like I am in love with this place. It's, it's, it's literally, I feel like someone's going to like, st- like take this away from me. Like I'm not actually allowed to live here. Like it's <laughs> that awesome. Um, what else? I, so I, I gave up coffee which I feel like we talked about this since then, but this has been a really big difference in the way I feel like I live my life. Like I literally, I feel like I was just riled up on caffeine for like the prior 10 years and in the past like a year and a half, I feel like I've like relaxed a little bit. So that might be worth, might be worth. Is that true or are you lying to yourself? Because I had a coffee this morning and it was fantastic. I, so there is nothing that I miss more than the taste of coffee, like waking up in the morning. Like I loved that sensation, but I like just gave it up randomly for like two months. And then when I tried to go back, I like, couldn't, I just couldn't handle the caffeine. Yeah. I think I remember you telling me that. Yeah. I was shaking or something. (laughs) Yeah. uh, But anyway, I guess I could talk about more like important things. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Basically the, I think the past like two years, I've really just focused mostly on 
just building this like online music production school to the, you know, to the best mm. of my ability, which honestly has been like, uh, you know, it's just been like a really, really awesome dive for me into the whole world of entrepreneurship. You know, like I mm. definitely, definitely have the entrepreneurship bug. Um, I don't think I could have ever have predicted just like kind of how much I enjoy doing this stuff, but I feel like it's yeah. kind of the perfect balance maybe of like something that is still creative and something that actually provides value uh, to people, right? And helps people, but it's also a sense of stability and kind of structure that I guess it can be really, really difficult to achieve when you're strictly being an artist, you know? Mm-hmm. What, what do you mean by that? Why do artists have instability? Well, uh, on a day by day, right? You don't always know where your next like paycheck is going to come from. You don't know, like there, there's just a lot of things in flux. And while I think the practice of being an artist, like in reality, like you're really sitting down and getting into a routine of being, you know, flexing that creative muscle on a daily basis, but it's never that simple, right? There's all these kind of other things, like you don't know where your next show is going to come from. You don't know the next project that you're going to be involved in. And you're always kind of living in this state of like flux, essentially, that for me, it's a, it's just very different now, like running a business. Like I kind of am just a little bit more in control of those things. And I like that. Like, I really like the fact that like, I can just kind of like plan my day, work nine to five and not be like, you know, when you're an artist, like you just, you know, you might be working like 16 hours a day and, mm-hmm. and not get a cent for that. Um, so I don't know. It's just something that I've really kind of enjoyed. It's just, I guess, maybe also getting older, like the sense of stability and structure in general has been kind of, kind of awesome. Yeah, for sure. I've got two questions. The first is, did you think several years ago when you quit your job to do music that you would end up? in this position running a online music production school of this kind of caliber definitely not i mean like absolutely not i think that's also the beauty of it though is that mm. you know how like there's all these business like you know people promising like oh five steps to starting your own business like oh, man. you know they're all over the place there is no scenario where i could have scripted everything that has kind of led me to this current path. Like there's, there's just, you know, like I, I pursued being an, I, I pursued nothing but being an artist for, for four to five, maybe even six years before I ever even thought about, you know, like running an online music school. Yeah. So I just feel like the authenticity behind that is, you know, like I, I'm just, I'm just literally someone who fell in love with music production and then happened to, to make a business out of that. But by no means was that like the plan going into it. What do you think, because I totally agree with you, I think there's an instability that artists face, which can be extremely stressful. And um, it's not that it doesn't exist in the world of entrepreneurship. I think like compared to your standard day job, paycheck, it can be much more, I can't think of the word, but up and down, risky, and stressful, but what do you think is some forms of income or maybe business opportunities that most talented skilled producers could take advantage of or at least think about? 
Well, I think I'm not the- talking about a music production school necessarily, but like, um, are there things outside of just plain shows that they could do to make a bit more consistent income? Yeah, I mean, totally. Like the the thing that kind of comes to mind first and foremost is just like the need to service people who are not as talented as you or maybe not as familiar with some of the things mm-hmm. that you've probably uncovered. So there's always going to be this market of beginners to maybe intermediate producers who you know, like you can do one-on-one sessions with them. And I did that at a, for, you know, for many years, kind of just like to help me be able to pay rent and things like that, which actually I think kind of uncovered like my love for the teaching side of things. But that's first and foremost, I would think like, yeah, like just one-on-one sessions is a great, a great way to, to kind of make a little bit of money. Um, there's the whole avenue of like, licensing your music and just creating music for TV and film. I feel like a lot of people have trouble getting into that, but once the opportunities kind of start presenting yourself in that, that can be a very like lucrative model. But again, it's not, it's, you know, it's one of the probably more sought after industries and and things to kind of pursue. So it's also not easy to get into. Mm, Yeah. I've, I've heard that as well. Like it's, there's no sort of strategic plan or path to getting into that Uh, and the people i've talked to it seems like there's a lot of luck involved but i could be wrong yeah i mean i i don't know i feel like like the whole luck conversation is it's just a it's one of those things where like what's the expression like luck is when opportunity meets uh like persistence or something like that sure yeah i don't know what the what it's something like that but you know, like, like that's all it is. Like it's being consistent and persistent with what you're trying to do. And then eventually some doors start opening for you. Like, I don't know how much that's, that's luck or whether it's just being somewhat relentless in what it is that you want to achieve. I think it's a bit of both. I mean, this is a topic that fascinates me, but you have people who are persistent and relentless yet. They don't think like they're not strategic. And so it's like running on a hamster wheel and they might make some progress, but it's slow because they're not working on the right things. It's like if someone like a 16 year old listens to Gary Vaynerchuk, that's all they listen to. And they think that they have to work 16 hours a day and that's it. And if they just do that, they'll be successful. Then there's someone else who's like, okay, I need to work hard, but I need to also like build up the right skills and here's how I can create more opportunity and so on and so on. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. I mean, working, it's like working smarter, not working harder is, something that I had to learn the hard way. And I think a lot of people do, but I very much was that producer who spent 16 hours a day doing nothing other than music production. And it wasn't good for my health and it wasn't good for probably my, I mean, it might've been good for my craft at one point because I do believe in kind of like seasons almost in the sense that, you know, everybody, at least Gary Vaynerchuk is interesting because he's on one side of the spectrum, but I would think that more people actually promote living a life of like balance Mm -hmm. than, than anything else. You know, like that is the common norm is like people always talk about like, Oh, like live a life of moderation or everything in moderation. Like don't overdo this. And, and I find this super interesting because how many people who have ever achieved anything awesome or anything great have been someone that lived a life of moderation. Yeah. Like, don't you think that most of the best things that you've ever done, you probably lived 
a life of excess in that yes. one thing for at least a period of time before you were able to even like fathom what moderation looks like. Yeah, that's been my experience too. And I think that was in a book, The One Thing or Essentialism, one of those. But he, he kind of mm. talked about that. He's like, there's no such thing as a work-life balance. It's like, um, I forgot what word he used, but it was that, you know, like you're going to have a period of months, weeks or months where you're working extremely hard and then you achieve something and then you can kind of like chill out a bit, spend more time with family. Um, but I think this idea of a perfectly structured day every day where you spend seven hours working, eight hours working, three hours watching TV. I don't know. I want to do that. But um, I don't think that exists. I mean, it might exist for some people, but again, if you're trying to do something maybe a little bit different or, you know, outside the norm, like I just, I don't know. I, I do believe in slight imbalance at times. Like I know for a fact that whenever I got an assignment, like a remix assignment or, you know, I'm making a song or something that has like a deadline to it, once I would start working on that, I had a lot of trouble like working on anything else. Like I would, I would almost become obsessed with that one song until it was done. And so for that like three to four day period, that's literally all I would work on. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I would like come out of that and be like, oh my gosh, I need to like watch Netflix and order Indian food yeah. for like, and do nothing for a day or something and, like recover. Don't you, don't um, you think though that this is an unpopular opinion that I hold. Most producers listening to this would be better off if they spent two to three hours a day making music instead of like six to eight or more and like intense focus, deep work. If they did that for two to three hours, they would be better off. I, I think that looks great on paper and I do agree with it from like a theoretical perspective. Like I think that that is probably a more sustainable approach for sure. But I still think that there's going to be this kind of phase where maybe things don't quite make sense to someone for a little bit of time and it requires a little bit of extra effort until they're over that hump. There was a word for this. I I forget what it was. There was some article that I read back in like, this is like 2011 when I was, I was kind of getting into like doing a little coding and forget what it was, but somebody called, just called it like going through your hell week or your hell Mm -hmm. month. Like if you're new to a, to a practice or a, to a principle, like there's going to be this initial period where nothing makes sense to you. And then somewhere, maybe it's month one or two or three or six, it doesn't really matter. There's going to be this point where you're like, wait a second, something just clicked. And you know, from there, the road does get a little bit easier. Mm. I think, Mm. I mean, with, with starting this online school that I now run, when it was just me figuring out how to start a membership site, like how to organize, like how to go about marketing a school, like I had no yeah. idea, no, like none. And though, like for that first probably eight months, I think I worked seven, seven days a week, at least 10 hours mm-hmm. a day. And I did that for like well, you know, almost more than half mm-hmm. a year. And I definitely don't do that now, but I feel like that was a very necessary hurdle in order to kind of get to to where it is now, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a ton of sense. I, I think the angle I was coming from is like, I see a lot of people, producers spending all that time. And to me, it seems like a waste of time because they're so inefficient. It's like, dude, if you're sitting there making music and you're trying to like crush it as an artist, but you've got your phone next to you, like 
all this kind of stuff. You're not strategic. You're not intentional. You could do this. Like you're only doing two hours of work anyway in like a 10 hour period. Yeah. I mean, that that's something that I personally don't have much patience mm-hmm. for. And I think part of that has to do with just maybe my experiences and collaborating with a bunch of other artists kind of as I was, you know, coming up in the industry, whatever you want to call it. If somebody, if I was working with somebody and then they were on their oh, phone, I, I would, I would like, I, I mean, I would like lose it. I would just be like, what, like, what do you, like, this isn't, this isn't like optional for me. This is like an absolute necessity. Like when we're making music, like you are, you and I are locked yes. in. Like there is, there is nothing else going on in the world. The only thing that matters, the only thing that literally the most important thing in my life right now is figuring out whatever the hell is going on in front of the computer screen. Mm-hmm. You know, like anything beyond that is a distraction. Mm-hmm. And like that, I just, I've never had a good relationship with any producer who couldn't handle that. And and maybe that's a little intense for some people, but I don't know. This is, this is kind of, it kind of comes back to what's that expression? Like the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Yes. Yeah. Like I really, I really honestly try to do this with everything. Like, like if my, like if I'm cooking, like if it's so for, if I'm cooking tonight and if I decide that I'm going to make a curry, like I am going to make the best Mm -hmm. damn curry that I possibly can tonight. Mm -hmm. You know, like there, there is nothing else like while I'm doing that. And obviously we, I think we all get like distracted and some of us get bored with whatever's going on in our lives. But if I'm in charge of my life and I made a conscious decision to like attack something, then I, I'm almost always trying to go all in. And I don't know. I'm like a very competitive person and I don't know if I can recommend this because it's not the healthiest. Well, I don't know like, if it's competitiveness. I think yeah. it's like the core of self-discipline. Like it's, it's yeah, when you're doing something you, like cooking, are you doing it well or are you just kind of like, uh? Because that translates into so many yeah. areas. Like like kind of a a case study on this, it's not, it's not really a tangent, but like consistency and self-discipline and like putting in the work without distraction. I have a friend who um, we caught up the other night and like last week it was exactly a year. He spent one hour every day in the morning, no distraction, like before anything else, drawing, like with pencil, all that kind of stuff. And he showed me like his, his recent work and I was blown away. You know, this was like, like if I didn't know him, I would think that he'd been joined for like five years. He's talked to other artists. He's like, oh my goodness, I'm speechless. But there's an example of like what you can achieve if you just apply this daily and like not make excuses for yourself and not just like succumb to distractions or Facebook or whatever it is. You just put your head yeah, down and put in the work. Yeah. yeah, it's it's so much easier said than done. Oh, but I, I do, I, you know. Yeah. You have to, have to look at it that way. Like you have to, have to agree that like, if you can get to that point of, you know, discipline and, and avoiding distractions and things like that, like you, I mean, yeah, the, the, uh, like the potential that we all have inside of us is really kind of remarkable. I, I remember actually quick little story. I mean, this isn't that long, but basically when I first graduated college, I was commuting, uh, into the city and it was a hour and a half commute each way. Right. So like three hours minimum total. That's if the trains like weren't delayed 
Um, this is commuting from Long Island to Manhattan for anyone who, who cares. But basically for year one, I did nothing, but like, you know, I sometimes I had like some music I would listen to, but I would try to like nap mostly because I, I was just always so yeah. tired. I had a lot of trouble adjusting to like trying to, I don't know, work an hour, an eight hour workday in corporate America and commute three hours a day. So I was always just like napping in and out of sleep, listening to music. And then year two, I was just like, what are you doing, bro? Like you have three yeah. hours every day to like get something done. And I had just, just gotten into like doing some self-recording stuff and I was trying to make some like indie music or something at the time. And that's when I like, I, I taught myself logic. Mm. Like, and it's not like I became like the most proficient person ever in logic by any means, but year two of that commuting, I came out of it and like, I could hold my own in logic, you know, like, and it's just funny how like literally I, that's, and that's most, I was mostly just doing it while commuting mm, mm. and you know, year one, I slept and did nothing that improved my life. Year two, I learned the digital audio workstation that now has been like, you know, the guiding software of yeah. my life. So I don't know. It, you know, it's, it's crazy, I guess what you can accomplish if you just, you know, put a little, uh, put a little discipline into 100%. it. Now, switching gears, tell me about the parallels you see between music production, uh, being an artist and an entrepreneurship. I think you've got a lot of insight into this. Well, I mean, they're, I think at the core, they're very, like, they're very similar. Um, both obviously, like both models are going to require you to like, I don't know, have, create some sort of value to people, whether that's like, creating music or creating a service or something like that. I mean, you have to have some like relevance in that sense. And then you're obviously, it depends obviously on what level you're at in terms of entrepreneurship, but you're going to have to be your own boss. Like you're going to have to manage your own time for sure. Um, I, I just feel like you, like, I don't think you can start an artist project and start a business. Um, without looking at it, like it's really the same exact thing. Like I, I'm just, I'm thinking out loud here, but I feel like it literally, there's really no differences. Um, one thing that I personally, like just looking back at my artist career, like that I kind of somewhat regret is that I didn't treat being an artist as much of like a, like something that I could scale or hire for certain needs. I think that I had a little bit of like an ego in the sense that I was trying to do everything by myself. Yeah for like, for no, like, I don't know why that was the way that I kind of viewed it, but I feel like for some reason I was like, oh, I, it, like this song needs to get done. I need to create everything about it. If I'm going to do the marketing, like I need to be the mm -hmm. one writing it. If I'm going to do artwork, I need to learn how to use Photoshop, you know, and any PR stuff. Like I had to do literally everything in my mind. And like, I think that looking back, I would treat being an artist a little bit more like a business yep because I think that's the more sustainable way to do things. Um, and, and obviously like had I pursued just being an artist, like if that was the only thing that I ever sought after, I think I would have eventually learned that for myself. But you know, like there, there's so many examples of this stuff. Like, like, uh, for example, Coldplay who I'm, I've always been obsessed with yeah. Coldplay, but all of their like synth sounds and all of the like, their music, the way that it kind of changed and evolved 
I think right around like Viva La Vida. Um, it came from a producer called John Hopkins, who they just like brought onto their team. Mm. And I love, love that idea of just kind of like, you know, like treating your artistry like a business and, and hiring for specific yeah. needs. Like there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that in my mind. And I think the limitation, like I think the reason bedroom producers do everything is because of, uh, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, money. Like yeah. if you're listening to this and you're, Get, you're like a good producer and you have money to spare you don't need to be doing everything hire someone for mixing um and then hustle on like the songwriting you know like yeah at the, like, at the top no, exactly. people don't do everything you know exactly and i feel like that is one of the biggest problems with artists in general right now is that they don't treat their artist project like a business yeah. And they're just trying like, okay, whether you, or not you have money to invest in it is one thing, but regardless of that, like you have to be ruthlessly in charge of how you plan to make a living off of something like that. Yes. So just this idea that like, you know, you're going to sit back, make music and someone or some entity is going to like latch onto it or believe in it so much. And just like all of a sudden the money's just going to start rolling in. That is... That's the pipe dream. The fact that you can like make a living in music is not the pipe dream. The fact that you think you only have to make music and then everything else is going to take care of itself yep. is a pipe dream. Yeah, that's, oh, it, it actually, it makes me sad how many people uh, think that and then actually like try and live it out. Like they'll quit their jobs. They have a three month buffer, maybe even less. I know some people who have had like a month of savings and they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to do music full time. It's like, but you're, you're literally making zero dollars right now. So, and what ends up happening? You know, like it's just, yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah, no, th I mean, that is, that is in and of itself the biggest like, like no-no as far as like, if I were to ever give advice to anyone about anything to do with music, this happens all the time. Someone, someone's like, Hey, I've got like this, like six month window and you're right. Sometimes it's even less. And I'm just like, I'm already cringing my teeth. But even if it's a full year, like you're not going to come out of this one set of time with this like incredible skill set that can also provide a living for you. Like, even if you came out of it, a much better producer, that doesn't mean you've taken care of all of the other things, which mm. include how to survive off of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's one of those things that, I don't know, it just makes me like, like um, as soon as I hear that type of a question, it makes me a little uncomfortable because I just, I just know that like, or I, I don't know of any scenario where that's ever worked out. Okay. So I'll get back to the interview in just a moment, uh, but I want to mention Splice again. I mentioned it during the intro. Splice is a platform and community for music producers that's revolutionizing the way that music is produced. And they have a few different tools. They have Splice Studio, which allows you to collaborate online with friends and also share project files with your fans. They host remix contests on their community page. Super cool. They offer plugins on a rent to own program. So you don't need to pay a huge amount of money upfront for a synth like Serum uh, or the Isotope Suite or anything like that. And finally, they have Splice Sounds, which is my favorite. I mentioned it at the start of this episode. Splice Sounds allows you to pay a small fee every month for a bunch of credits, which you can use to download the samples you 
want to download. And I use this a ton. 90% of the samples I use in my songs are from Splice Sounds. You know why? Because I handpick them. It's really easy to filter through their library online and find the sounds that you need. Uh, maybe you're looking for a vocal sample for a project that you're working on or a serum preset. It takes only a few seconds to find something on the website that might inspire you to make a song or finish your song or make progress on it. Now, as an EDM product listener, you can sign up to Splice Sounds and get your first month free. Just head on over to splice.com forward slash EDM prod and enter the promo code EDM prod when you sign up. Again, that is splice.com forward slash EDM prod promo code EDM prod. You can find this website address and promo code in the show notes as well in case you forget. Yeah, I think it's like, I don't, I can't remember who said it. I think it was Ryan Holiday, but jump when you see the landing, you know? Yeah. Like, sure, if you've got a six month buffer and you're making like 2K a month and it's going up, that's, that's fair enough. Like, you could probably do it. But if you're at starting from zero, then it's, yeah, I don't think it's a wise decision. Yeah, I would, I would definitely, definitely agree. And the issue with this is there are exceptions and the exceptions are the popular stories. And so that's what guides people's thinking. It's like, oh, but such and such did this. Or like this artist, you know, quit his job and then like got signed in two months. It's like, yeah, but what about the 99% of other people? It's, it's the whole survivorship bias thing. Right, right. And, and I, I like, I know, I feel like I was maybe a little bit guilty of this at one point because I did get laid off from my job at one point, you know, and then I spent the next like kind of two years pursuing nothing else. But, but I had spent, you know, three years trying, you know, learning music production before I ever got laid off. So it's not like this, like this, this was just like this brand new thing that I had just started. Like I had spent like a lot of time doing this kind of before that incident happened. And then yeah. when people would ask me like, oh, should I quit my job? to pursue music. My answer wasn't automatically no at the time because I'd be like, you know what? I didn't, you know, I didn't work for a while or I didn't have a, a classic corporate job for a while. And then I was able to like spend a lot of time in it. But I feel like even then it took another year and a half, two years before anything started to come out of, you know, come to fruition because of that. Yeah. I think there's kind of two extremes here. There's like the, no, you should always have a job because you're not going to be able to make it as an artist and you know, that's just stupid. And then there's the, Oh, quit your job, bro. Straight away. Quit. Like no, like working corporate sucks for everybody. 100% of people. No one in corp the corporate world is happy, um, which is not true. So just get out of there. And it's, it's like somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I love, uh, there's this perspective from Elizabeth Gilbert, who's the, author of like eat, pray, love, but she wrote a book about creativity called big magic. And mm -hmm. she like basically says that she never wanted to put that level of pressure on her music or on her. She's not, a, she's not a, she's a writer on her writing. Um, because mm -hmm. like the second that you have to make a living off of your art, it removes all like level of creativity and kind of ownership yes. behind what you're doing. You become a slave to the piece of paper, like to green, right. To, to money. Like you be literally mm -hmm. become a slave to the income that you can potentially create off of your art. And like, 
that immediately removes any any chance of you being original or you know taking the time to to discover what it is that you even want to be doing and like she always said that she was like she basically was waitressing for her living and then she could actually write what she wanted to over the course of that whole pursuit and it's even even then it took 20 something years for her book to like you know hit the mainstream wow. and, and be successful but yeah she, I, I just the way she tells that story in that book. It's like a very, very highly recommended read. It's one of my favorite kind of books on just like the creative process that I've ever read. Mm-hmm. Now related to this, uh, and I think this is a good question to ask in the previous two interviews we did, one of the themes was uh, producing music full time, which you were doing. Do you think it's possible for everyone to have a career in music in some way shape or form and do you think it's the right thing or do you think it's wise for them to pursue that or do you think there are cases where it's like "Mm, probably not this is a really tough question and it's something that i definitely jump back and forth on because like, like who who am i honestly who am i to tell anyone that they can't do something sure i think that talent, if that's what we're going to call like, like talent is something that is absolutely earned. It's not given, but there's going to be, there's going to be some people, right. Who maybe either have a a head start or they have better genes, like that makes them slightly more capable in something. But I, I do, but I fundamentally believe that if you do want something badly enough, almost anybody could, you know, could, could like be successful in that field. I just feel like a lot of people aren't willing to just like kind of ebb and flow and and adapt with what comes their way though. Like, like I totally could have pursued the artist thing indefinitely. I think that was very much on the table at one point for me, but Mm. instead, like I decided to stop kind of fighting this like uphill battle, which I was enjoying. I was, you know, I was, I was into the whole pursuit of it for sure. I mean, it was literally what I lived for. But when I stopped fighting like the universe or whatever you want to say, whatever you want to call it, there, like, there was just some incredible opportunities that kept presenting itself to me over and over. And once I jumped on that, I realized I was having just as much fun, if not more fun, like than when I was just pursuing the artist thing. So like, I just think that for anyone that wants to pursue it, you can do it. Like you can hundred percent make a living off of, off of music in one way or another, but just don't get attached to like one tiny model. Like the successful mm. artist touring, uh, like producer is li- is just one micro model in in so many different fields inside of music. So if you're willing to not get attached to like fame and money and you know all of that thing, all of that stuff, um, it, anybody could do it. But you have to be a little bit uh, malleable in your approach to it. I think also if you do choose to take the kind of traditional um, touring the world, so on and so on, making a bunch of money, you need to think about like an exit plan because most people can't do that into their late 30s, 40s. It just doesn't, for most people, like there are obviously people who do. um, But I think Booty talks about that, you know, like have an exit plan. Because yeah. not that I've done it, but touring takes its toll on you and maybe you can do it for five years. I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, there's been so much stuff right in the news lately with just like the reality of like what it's like 
to actually be pursuing that type of a lifestyle. And I didn't even get like nearly as deep into that as a lot of people I know or, or other producers, but like, I still went on a bunch of tours, played a bunch of shows all over and like, man, it was tough. Like it was, Mm. you know, like it's just, it's just really difficult. And I don't like, I always thought that, that my love for music outweighed that type of, you know, like the negative surrounding that. But at the end of the day, what I truly loved was the, the music, like the making of the music itself, like DJing in front of a crowd was a really big rush and it was kind of a fun, like little reward. But I wasn't like passionate about that the way that I was passionate about, like, you know, at the time waking up, having some coffee and just like making some music like that. The high that I got from that was way, way, way more than what I was getting from DJing. So Mm. I don't know. It's just everybody's different. Everybody, everybody has to, I think, learn about themselves continuously and try to understand like what it is they really want. Because if I'm being honest, like I'm always learning about myself. I would have, you know, like when I, in my twenties, I I would have thought that that would have been like the the absolute number one best possible scenario was touring. And then fast forward a few years and it it just really wasn't like, it's just not the reality. And I think uh, we could probably all live in a slightly better world if we just understood ourselves a bit more. How do you think someone learns to know themselves better? That's, that's probably an impossible question to answer because this is, this is life, right? Like that's Mm. like you could, if I don't know, I don't know why we're here or like what, or if anything created us, but like if some, if this, if there's some sort of a master plan, like you couldn't have scripted this whole thing like any better like it's just it's you know what i mean like it is just insane how complex all of this around us is Mm. and and for me to like try to be like oh like to learn your like to learn about yourself better i mean I, i just think that these things are rooted in looking at yourself like observing yourself like it become it's more about like self awareness And for me, that path was like doing a little bit of meditation, like not getting caught up in day to day stuff. Like, like I, I, it's, it's even hard to like explain, but like my whole life at one point was surrounded around partying and I didn't even know if I really liked it that much. That's just all I was surrounded by. That's what all my friends did. So I did it. Yes. Yeah. And when I really kind of stepped away from it, I was like, wow, I love the free time to, to read or to pursue something like music production or to talk with friends about life. And I, I think that I always thought that I was living a life true to myself. And I don't think I actually was until, I don't know, I started to like actually pay attention to what the hell I was even doing with myself. But I don't know. I feel like I'm talking in circles. It's hard to, it's really hard to articulate. Yeah. No, it is. It is a hard question to answer. I think, um, cause in my mind, it's like being introspective, but also, a huge one for me is I notice, like I noticed the other, I think it was like last year, how many decisions I made based on like wanting to look good or like ego, hmm. you know, oh, if I start this kind of business, but it's so like, it's layers deep. Like it's so hard to know. And I don't think you can, like you can't fully know yourself in that way. Sounds so esoteric, man. Um, <laughs> uh, well, it, it, I, don't, but- I don't want it to come across that way. But the fact that you're even asking those questions 
I think that 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 you're even aware of that angle of things like we're you're not operating on this like autopilot and I think that's mm-hmm. that's kind of the the one thing that if if you could like somehow just almost just you know think about what it is that you're thinking about or think about the the daily like habits that you're getting involved in like we can all change at any yeah. given moment and most of us kind of I don't know don't really think that much about that stuff which to me like change is a fascinating topic in and of itself because in reality people think that change takes a lot of time and it's something that like oh over the course of 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 a few months he got he got into great shape or uh you know Mm -hmm. someone built a business and it took three to four years to build then you just but like the thing that i think is interesting about change is that it's something that happens in an instant, it's a decision that you make. And then it's just your habits and your day to day that produce the results behind that change. But Mm. change in and of itself literally happens in a, in a second. One day someone wakes up and is like, I'm done with this. I'm going to move forward and whatever, but I don't know. (laughs) I feel like uh, (laughs) we should try to get back to whatever it is that we were originally talking about. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a very interesting path. Um, <clears throat> okay, so moving on, you're a well-known educator in this community, uh, and I've got a question for you, which I've asked a few people, but I think you're going to give a good answer. Hopefully, no pressure. Let's say I was to pay you hundred thousand um, dollars to come live with me for like thirty days. You know, you, you actually mentioned this book and I need to mention this quickly, but Jesse Itzler, 30 Days with the Seal. Oh my goodness, it's the funniest book. Yeah, it's so so entertaining. But that kind of arrangement without the um, insane exercise. <laughs> you come live with me a month and, and teach me music production from scratch. What is the process you would walk me through in 30 days to get the best result? So is, is the person that I'm working with like a complete... Like, yeah, it's me. It's me, but I haven't like I haven't touched. Maybe I've downloaded Ableton or Logic, but I know hardly anything. And I'm paying you a ton of money to teach me or to like get me good or help me improve as fast as possible. It's funny. Um, the amount that you're giving me, I don't think would change the fact that 30 days is not enough time for me to, you know, like really make the biggest, the biggest dent. What's that? What did you say? We can change it to like 60 or 90 if you want. Well, even if it's 60 days, like this is this, it's not, if you're an absolute beginner, you don't need me. You need to get into the DAW and start breaking Mm. things. And to be entirely honest, I, you know, I would make someone take your course. I'd be like, Take first thing you should do the next, you know, we can cram it into a shorter time frame if this is a 30 or 60 day window. But I would be like, first thing you should do is take EDM foundations because like you've, you specialize in teaching the beginner to get them to a certain point of like being able to do things on their own. I personally, I don't specialize in that stuff. So I, I also, I have trouble thinking like, you know, a beginner because I'm, I've just, I've been in this field for so long. So I can like understand the perspective, but I'm telling you like your course would do a better job with a beginner than I ever could. 
at least for the first plug for the first, for the first, (laughs) well, there's, there's your plug. But then the next thing I would do before I even start working (laughs) with them is make them then take my master class. Because again, I really firmly believe that like I have spent and, and not just me, like my, like the other, you know, the other instructors, the other producers in the master class, like we've spent a lot of time figuring out like how to convey a lot of this information in a way that makes sense and like actually, you know, like is beneficial to the person taking the class. So like, I really still believe that like literally EDM foundations first, then take the master class and then we can have like a much more productive couple weeks. Okay. So let, let me rephrase the question then. Okay. I have taken EDM foundations. I've taken your masterclass. I'm pretty good. And I pay you money to live with me for 30 days and help me out. What do you do from that point? All right. From that point on, I would make them man the helm in the sense that like they're the ones in front of the computer. I'm not the one sitting there and doing anything for them. And I would start making music. Like I would try to get one song per day out of them. Maybe, maybe one song every two days or something like that, but something really, Mm -hmm. really absurd, something like that most people would deem to be a little like unmanageable. And I would just, I would hover over them like a, like a fly and just be the person that keeps them focused. Because that's what I noticed also when I was, whenever I was making music, if I was completely by myself, the amount of times that I would just get distracted and like, you know, following some small window of, of something that leads to something else like happens all the time. Whereas if someone else is just there, it keeps you engaged and focused on solving the problem at hand. So like, you know, I would literally just make them make as much music as possible. And if there was something that I could like instill inside of that process, I don't know how I would do this, but I would, this is what I would try to convey is that like, I would focus on the, like there's, I feel like there's this misconstrued notion that artists are totally in control over everything that they're making. You know, like that, like as if there's some idea in your head and then you just like put it down on paper yeah. or you put it out onto the computer. And I, I've just always found that at least in my experience that I'm not nearly as much in charge of the music that I'm making as I kind of think that I am something as simple as, as like loop hunting, for example, who's really deciding what sounds the best, like what loop sounds the best with the chord progression that you just wrote? Like, is it really, truly, truly up to you? Or are you just kind of responding to the, to the music itself? And, and, and that's kind of the way I always like approached it. And I feel like a lot of people don't like that and they kind of like freaks them out. But for me, this kind of like, this, this idea of like letting go is really, really important because once you do that, you're not limited to kind of just what's inside of your head anymore, right? Like you can, you can kind of just like play with sounds. You can have a lot of fun. Like <clears throat> you can make like, you can make tons of mistakes and let that guide you. You can let like, yes. you know, uh, other experiences or things in the world that kind of influence you. And that idea of just like letting go, I think is kind of everything. Cause that's why like sometimes you get a preset or a patch and the song writes itself because I was given this sound yeah. that presented an opportunity. I was just about to mention that. And, and to interject, that is the exact reason why I don't like it when people say 
use it as an excuse. I don't have any inspiration or I don't feel inspired. It's like, dude, go into Splice or download a sample pack, scroll down the loops and you'll hear something and that'll turn into a song. Like it's just, it's not a reasonable excuse. Right. Like like most of, exactly. Like most of the songs that that I've written or any of the like instructors in the masterclass and I would assume most students in the masterclass like have written I would just think that like how much of it was really in your head before you just started tinkering yeah. around like everything develops right it it starts as one idea and then it becomes something else and mm. and and that that is like the like the thing that I would try to get into someone's head as early as possible because I feel like people don't come to to this craft with that mentality they're always trying to like get something very specific out and I think yeah. You know, like that, it makes sense, right? Like I, if, you, but it's, I would even imagine if you're writing like a book, it's probably the same way. I've never written a book, but like, there's no way that someone knows exactly what is going to happen throughout the whole book, right? Like it has to write mm. itself in a way mm, mm. you start having conversations with different characters and all of a sudden, like this person takes on a different personality or there's an amazing dialogue going on. Like how much do you really, how much are you really in charge of that? Like things just right. have to flow and I don't know. I, I just feel like that's the most important thing about music production that no one talks about. Yeah, that's so true. And it's, it's like, like when I think about my best productions or the times I've had the most fun making music, it's that. It's like starting, oh, I'm going to make like a trance song or something and it ends up being something completely different. And I've just gone with it. I think the worst thing to do is just, you know, you try, and I've made this mistake so many times, but I want to sound like X and then everything that doesn't sound like X, you kind of move to the trash or yeah. manipulate until it sounds completely different. And it's just like, that's not fun and it's not creative and you end up discouraged because you're not going to get anything that sounds like X anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I've wasted, you know, like I wasted probably two years of my life doing that. Maybe more mm -hmm. like, and that's why, yeah, the earlier that you can get out of that, like that kind of ideal of trying to sound exactly like someone or, or creating the, like you're essentially creating constraints for yourself that don't need to be there. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I a hundred percent agree. The times I've had the most fun is when I just like <laughs> let go of those preconceived notions and just let the music kind of write itself. Mm -hmm. Two more questions and then we'll wrap this up. All right. What should people actually I'll preface this question because I think you and I both have similar opinions on what producers should look for in education. Um, we're both somewhat respected, especially you in the scene. What should people look for in an online school? I think this is a question so many producers have like what, what course should I take? Should I even take a course? Should I just use YouTube? Should I go to like an icon collective or a, is Dubspot still around or did it? I kind of don't, don't think it is. I think, yeah, it, I like, think it is completely shut down and there was a lot oh, of man. shady things going on, but yeah, I've heard all I'm, about I'm a Dubspot anyway. alumni. So yeah, true, <laughs> Dubspot present. but what should uh, people look for in an online school? Well, I think we can answer this together just because I'm, sure. you know, like we're, we're both kind of doing something somewhat similar. Um, but I think it kind of comes down to fulfilling like, almost like checking just certain boxes and like everybody's going to have certain different needs and, and things that work for them. And that should be kind of like 
the most important thing. Like for example, first thing that you should consider is if that school or that model actually works with like your current life. Because yeah, you talk about like the icons and the pier mines and all that. So there's these tons of schools in, in LA and San Francisco and New York City. But like, are you actually able to uproot your entire life, spend twenty dollars to $30,000 for the year of, of education, move to a new city? Um, you know, like that's just a pursuit that I think is very unrealistic for a lot of people. So like that should be the first thing that you kind of consider is just to pick a school that works within the scope of like what works within your life. You know, like don't, don't just uproot yourself because this is something that you're, you think you're passionate about. Like, you know, maybe, maybe start somewhere else and then you can eventually always do that. But I would never recommend doing that like initially. Mm. Um, and I don't know if you agree or not, but yeah, no, I hundred percent agree. Yeah. One thing I would add to that though, is that some people think that you need to go to a school like that. Not many, but some people do think if I don't do that, like I'll never be able to be professional. It's just not true. Yeah. I would say like 95, maybe even more 95% of people like successful artists do not go to a institution like that not to say that they're bad i think they're actually great if you can afford it um and it makes sense but it's yeah you don't need it yeah you totally don't need it and i don't i don't want to sound dismissive but yeah you just you simply don't need those like that type of a school in order to pursue this stuff and that to be honest that kind of at least from my experiences from the people that i've talked to that have gone through those they all say kind of like the same thing they're like you know it was a great experience I definitely learned a little bit. The networking was great, but I don't know. Like they always almost all say like, I didn't learn as much as I thought I was going to learn, yes. yep. you know? And I think the reality is that most of that information can be found in one way or another through your own like rigid routine of education that you can either put yourself through or you can take a much lower level, you know, entry point of a course to, to kind of get similar information. Um, but yeah, to keep going here, like I would say that the next thing you should probably consider when you're looking for a school in general is just like to look at the, the instructors, like who are the people that are actually doing like, you know, the teaching, I guess. Like, I just feel like there's a lot of people on YouTube or there's a lot of people maybe who put off, put out like one, um, you know, one standalone like course or something like that. I, I kind of lean on the side of the idea that like someone should be an actual professional educator or someone who has done this for like a really long time. You know, like if you're, if you're going to be investing in something like the, the success that they've had in the industry probably isn't alone enough to make them an actual good teacher. Mm. And this, you know, it, it, it's more important than you'd think. Like, I remember when I actually took a, a course at DubSpot, our instructor communicated things in such an amazing way. I, I almost like got spoiled by it. Cause then when he'd bring in like guest, you know, instructors or guest like producers, the way they would communicate stuff, I'd be like, Did this person like do drugs before they like taught or something, <laughs> you know, they just sounded so like, so just not, I don't know. It was like hard to understand, like getting information out of them. Um, yeah, so I yeah. don't know. I, I just think like you should look at your, like, look at the instructors, see what they've done. 
how long they've been teaching and if you actually like their style like do you like the way that they communicate and they present themselves because that you're, you're literally going to be learning from this person for yeah. a while so you, you know does it work with you obviously i mean we kind of already talked about this with like those bigger schools but i feel like price is one of the obviously most important things like you, you shouldn't put yourself in massive massive amounts of debt in order to like take an online music school like or just to take any music school like um like edm foundations to be honest like i think you should be charging more it's you know like it's a very like fair entry point like if you're if you want to learn music production like i think that that's like a great starting point and then if you've been around for maybe a couple years or, or something like that and you're like ready to kind of take this more seriously i personally think you get way more value out of like the master class for example than something like some of these you know bigger schools so mm. you know price is definitely something to consider i feel like educational level and like pace is kind of pretty damn important too i feel like that's something that for example uh if you're if you're going to be taking like like I'm just relating to my own stories here. So you can cut me off if this is taking too long, but like Dubspot, for example, uh, it was a three or four month course, but it moved so slowly. Like Mm. I just felt like we could have gone over that, all of the material in like three weeks and it would have been just as beneficial. So I would just like kind of put out like a sign of caution to a lot of schools out there like they really do move too slowly like it's just it's just something that frustrated me so much and that's part of the reason why i feel like you know like i really love the pace of the way that we kind of go about teaching things like we kind of overload you a little bit Mm. but we give you lifetime access to the whole material like to all the materials you can always catch up if you do think it's moving a little too fast yeah same here like with Um, the foundations it's like we recommend four weeks but most people do not finish a course in four weeks because it's packed right most people don't have that much time but it's fine you know do it at your own pace exactly uh and then yeah i would just also like i would probably look at like what the students are actually doing coming out of some of the schools that you're looking at um i'm sure you have tons of testimonials i know i have tons of testimonials but like just like look at some honest reviews like people Mm. That's like one of the cooler things. I mean, we were talking about this right before this interview. That's one of the cooler things, I guess, about like the internet these days is that it's pretty transparent. So if something leaves a bad taste in your mouth or something doesn't seem trustworthy, you know, like I would probably just avoid it. Like look at reviews, look at what people are saying. And, you know, that should inform your decision a, a pretty, pretty good amount. And the last thing I would just say is probably like, like networking, you know, like when you sign up for some sort of a school, like the educational side of things is definitely probably the, the thing you should look at the most, but the unspoken truth of these schools is that they are like a hot, like they're, they're literally a pocket for like connecting with other people. And I feel like it's actually still kind of hard to connect with other artists. Like you can't, you know, it's not the easiest thing to just like be in a Facebook group where anyone can get in and then be like, Hey, who wants to collab? Like it doesn't really work like that. 
there's just something about creating some sort of collective like sameness to everything that you're doing that allows like networking to be really, really important in all of this. Like, you know, uh, this is like why people go to college or like go to universities. I think like, yeah, you're getting some education, but really you're creating a network and you know, people are the most important, probably like commodity of your life, like connecting with people, working with them. Like that's how you really get into the scene and how you really, uh, I think stand to be more successful is just surrounding yourself with, with those people. hundred percent agree. But I don't know if there's anything else you would add. I feel like. I, I think you covered almost all the bases. I would say, uh, a lot of people use the objection that, you know, you can just learn everything off YouTube. Uh, partly true. You can learn a ton from YouTube. The only issue I would say is that it's not structured and there's no quality control, but I suppose there's not really quality control in online courses either. But, um, like I mean, not- I would, I would only disagree with that last bit because I think there is a quality control, at least people with- will complain if they've paid like a hundred dollars for a course and it sucks. Right. You will know about it. You just Google it, you know? Yeah. No, Whereas on YouTube, that. it's like no one expects, no one's going to be, actually, that's not true. YouTube is a toxic place, but um, <laughs> it's so <laughs> like, dark. Like they're not going to like write a blog post about how this YouTube tutorial just sucks because they haven't paid anything for it. Yeah. They're not as invested for sure. Yeah. Um, and the only other thing I would add is regardless of what you do during and afterwards, I think one of the most important things is to uh, apply the knowledge and create habits that allow you to like develop as an artist. I see a lot of people, they take a course like EDM foundations and they learn this stuff and then they just revert back to however they were before, um, whether that's doing all the easy stuff or like just making a bunch of loops and never actually finishing anything. Make sure that whatever you're doing, you develop strong creative habits uh, because Otherwise, you'll end up with a bunch of head knowledge, but no results and no actual skills. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the course is whatever course you, whatever course you take at any point, like that's just the beginning, like applying the information afterwards is when the, the real learning starts because you don't have like, you know, tons and tons of information to be absorbing and, and keeping your, like, you know, your sugar high going of, of all the things that you're learning, like once it's over and you start actually making and you should be probably making music obviously as you're doing it but once yeah. it's over and you're and you have no guiding like mentor or professors or whatever you want to call it like that's when that's when the the going gets tough that's when things really get interesting yeah. and I, like yeah. you just said like instilling those habits is pretty much everything you also have to be wary of and this is something i've been thinking about a lot and it's not talked about uh the when you're learning something like watching a course or watching videos, it can trigger the same kind of dopamine or like satisfaction that you get from actually doing the task. This is the reason why people watch motivational videos. Um, Not because it makes them motivated, but because it makes them feel successful already. It's why you have some people who talk for years and years about starting a business, but they never do it because the talking satisfies that need for them. This is scientific. It's not just some. No, you know, I, I'm, I'm totally with you. I mean, yeah. reading, you know, reading books is also 
the yeah, same thing. It's it, exactly. It's really anytime you're absorbing information in lieu of doing something or or taking yeah. action, doing what you know you need to do. Like I'm so guilty of this. I know there's times where I'm like, I need. I know that I need to do something, but I don't want to do it. So I just tell myself that I need to like learn more about it first. Yeah. Yeah. No. That, this is this is one thing that for some reason I feel like I've been a little bit lucky in in the sense that I I like I definitely absorb a ton of information all the time. But mm. for me to get started in something, like it doesn't take me that long. Like I'm an, I'm gonna I want to jump in and start breaking things yeah. pretty quickly. And that's just kind of I feel like that's something that I take for granted even for myself, like, you know, like with this whole starting a business thing, like in the world of entrepreneurship, some of the questions that people who haven't started a business are asking like on Reddit, I would just, I just want to, I just want to yell through the comments and be like, just try it, man. Like you can't predict all of this stuff. Like it, and worst case scenario, if something doesn't go the way you plan, like that's good because you learn from it and you can adapt and move forward. And yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just so it's just one of those things like, yeah, like it, it's really easy to get addicted to, to education when we should probably, th- maybe this is the best place, like to bring this conversation more full circle. This is a place where moderation really could be a pretty valuable yes. uh, tactic. Yeah. You, you know, when you meet people like producers or whatever, just creative people and you ask them questions about like specific music production stuff and they look at you with the blank stare. And then they say, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, what is that? And they've been producing music for like years and they don't know like what a certain chord is or something like this, yet their music is solid. And it's because they've put like a ton of time into working. Sure. They don't have as much head knowledge as like someone else, but they've obviously just like gone for it. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I I feel like a great analogy or a place to look at for examples of this is like with coders. Like I know people who claim to not be coders, you know, and the stuff that they can create is absolutely incredible because like, you know, they solve for specific problems and it's the same thing with music. Like, like exactly what you just said, like if you're looking at how to make the most, I don't know, atmospheric, like beautiful breakdown, like sure you can go like research that and like learn a few things but what happens if you just start playing with synth sounds or, or mm-hmm. orchestral sounds and like literally just going in there until you can literally do no better maybe that's a good place to like look for some some information outside of yourself 100 mm-hmm. percent. all right one more question uh, i'm not going to ask you the alien question because i think i've done that the last two times so <laughs> okay plus people hate it <laughs> really you don't get good yeah. feedback from it that's why I keep asking it because I know that it like stresses him out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what have you been reading or consuming recently? It doesn't have to be in the world of music production. I know that like you and a bunch of other people I know like to learn a lot. So yeah. What have you been looking at? Yeah. It's funny. Cause I, I knew you were going to ask this and like, I just like, so I got married a month ago and life has just been a little crazy <laughs> and it's interesting because I mean, we don't have to get too off topic here, but I feel like momentum is so huge, you know, because like, yes. you know, there's been times where I'm reading several books per month and then there's times where I just like slow down completely. Mm. And so 
I just started reading like a fiction book called like huh. the name of the wind. Uh, name of the wind. I, my wife read it and was like raving about it, but I literally yeah. just started it like a week ago. So that's kind of like the only reading I've done in the past month, which I don't know. It's like different for me to not be reading a lot, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I really, for the first time, I feel like in literally years, I just like, I'm not super engulfed in a lot of books right now. I did have a, uh, how do you say his name? Jocko Willick phase. Like oh, Jocko Willick. Ago, yeah. Yeah. Which I feel like yeah. everyone has to have those phases. Um, I think I read, what are the, his two books called? Uh, Extreme ownership and discipline, discipline equals, equals freedom. freedom. Yeah. yeah. Those are, those are awesome. So I would, I, I love his perspective because what we were just talking about the whole, like, yeah, just do it. Actions versus yeah. like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That, he will, he will drill that into you. Like if you listen yeah. to the podcast, it's like, like I love, <laughs> if you're listening to this, go and look up Jocko Willink on Twitter. And what you'll see is people asking him questions like, how do I wake up earlier? And his responses are literally like, wake up earlier. <laughs> like, there's no, come on. There's no like strategy or tactic. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a, oh, there's such a good quote that I just read the other week that like perfectly applies to this. It's something like the world is full of people who want to manufacture a tornado to blow out a watch or to blow mm. out a, a match. Yeah. yeah. You know, like it's 100%. just, it's, it's just, you can overcomplicate things to your heart's content, but uh, yeah, action is, is pretty much everything, but yeah, sorry. I don't have more, uh, more, no, cool, man. more books to offer, but I, I feel like, um, actually, how about we turn this around on you? Do you have any, cause I'm, <laughs> I'm in the, I'm in the market for something new. Can you recommend something, uh, that you've read recently that was pretty good? Yeah. Let me just pull up my, um, my Kindle. I was, I've been reading a few business books. I don't really want to dive into all of those. Um, yeah, business books. Uh, I purposefully decided to take a little bit of a break from after I read uh, the Entrepreneur Roller Coaster. I forget mm, the dude's uh, Darren name. Hardy. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an okay book. Yeah, it's it's good. It just I came out of it and was like, all right, I don't need more information. Like I just need to yeah. like go do stuff. But um, yeah, nothing. Actually, I haven't been reading much at all. I'm in kind of the same position. Um, one really cool book, which is related to this whole idea of getting things done is a book called blue fishing by, uh, Steve Sims. He runs a company called Bluefish, And basically what they do is they create like once in a lifetime experiences for wealthy people. But in the book, he just talks about how he's done the most crazy things. Like I can't remember exactly, but like, yeah, booking this, yeah it's, it's awesome. But it's, it's interesting to read regardless of whether you're in business or not. Like even as an artist, it'll motivate you and, and inspire you. So highly recommend that. Um, but yeah, I haven't been really much at all. So Dude, that um, not to, not to put you on the spot here, but that I would not just cause I feel like you are literally the, like you are Mr. Reading. Like you, <laughs> you read more than anyone I know. Like I've still read something like 40 books this year, but it's not. <laughs> Like so like you take a few, few weeks off and I'm like, what the hell yeah. is wrong with you? <laughs> no, because I think it's like, and, and Booty and I have had conversations about this, but you just get to a point where it's like, okay, like this is not the best use of my time right now. You know, like you have those yeah. seasons or phases where it's like, okay, right now 
I have no direction or no strategy. I need to sit down and think and read a few books. Yeah. And then you do that and then you come out and you're like, okay, my, like the three things I need to focus on are these, and this is how I'm going to do them. And then you do them and maybe it takes a few months. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, thoughts. yeah, totally. And I, and I feel like I, I know I'm going to come back to like probably, you know, reading a ton of books or at some point, but I don't know. I, I just feel like that what we were talking about before, like everyone has seasons and like, you know, with, <laughs> with a wedding and stuff like that, like yeah, I was yeah. definitely really, really busy and it feels really nice right now to just be able to like, you know, watch the new season of Ozark and just like, I've heard chill you out a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty good. I feel the same way though, about like, uh, about Netflix shows. Sometimes I'm like a lot of these stories, like I, I just feel like they're, you know what it is? Like, I feel like once you started bi- being able to binge watch all these shows, like you start to realize that like, there's a lot of similar patterns in a lot of these shows. And like, yeah. I'm just not getting the high that I think I once got off of some of these shows anymore. Like it literally feels like some of them are stretched right. out to fill 10, 10 episodes as opposed to like purposefully being a, a story to tell. Or yeah, something like for that. sure. Yeah. Like I, I hardly, like I have not watched a series in probably four years before last week. And I was wow. like, I was feeling a bit sick. Yeah. I just, I've got Netflix, but we'll use it to like watch a movie every now and again. Because I know how addictive this stuff is and I don't want to like end up just like lying in bed and watching Netflix. Because I will do that. Like if left to my own devices, I will just watch Netflix. Um, Isn't that, that's, that's interesting though, because uh, I'm the same way. I feel like my, the whole idea that if left to my own devices, like my whole life is literally a set of disciplines Yes. So that I don't become the ver- the worst version of myself, which yeah. is so yeah. easy to get to. Like it's and it doesn't ever change. It's just something that's always on the precipice, always on the horizon. I can always become the worst version of myself. It doesn't take yes. that much, but I have to do certain things every day to avoid that. Yeah, you you know like like I know if I start pursuing these habits or like dropping this, like I can end up in a pretty bad place pretty quickly yeah and i want to avoid that um but yeah i started watching it and i was like i just felt that feeling like lost in space we were watching that sick um (laughs) but i (laughs) you know by the way i i saw the original well i don't know if it's the original but the the one with uh what's the guy from friend's name matthew fraser or something whatever the one that was released in like the 90s that i watched that on my birthday when i was like 10 or 11 years old or something like that. So like jumping into lost in space was actually pretty damn nostalgic for me. Wow. I didn't even know there was an original. It's really quite a, quite a bad movie, but it's got that like, you know, anything that you see like as a kid and then you like see it later growing up, like it's just, it's just entertaining. Um, I just noticed that they all have those cliffhangers at the end, which man. So I was like, I'll, I'll sit down and we'll watch one episode. And it ended up being like three <laughs> and I'm just like, this is not good. Yeah. This welcome. Good. Well, welcome to what everybody else in the world <laughs> is oh, up man. to. I don't like it. Anyway, great having a conversation. Um, hope people got something out of this and yeah. Thanks for coming on, man. 
Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was a, a lot of fun. I'm sure there's a lot of tangents in there, but yeah, yeah that was, it was a good time. <laughs>